Hello, everyone. Welcome to Crownsman Energy. I'm your host, Jared Downey. Joining me today is my co-host, Gaudi Molina. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, okay, we are going to get right into it. We've got a great guest on the show today, Joy Romero. Joy is the VP of Technology and Innovation at Canadian Natural. She's also the president at Clean Resources Innovation Network, uh, or CRIN, as you might know it. We are going to cover a lot, including uh, federal funding that has come in from CRIN, um, the Canadian, uh, Canada's place in the energy sector. I mean, we're just going to cover a lot of topics. So, Gaudi, I'm going to get you to uh, give a shout out to, we have a few sponsors today. We do, five. Five. So, um, So bear with me. (laughs) Just read really fast. I like on Spotify, you can now, um, you can listen to um, the podcast in like double time. Ooh. So you can go really fast. Yeah, you just blow through it. Um, and I, I talk, I talk slow enough, so I'm sure people take advantage of that on this show. Okay. All right, perfect. So let's get into our sponsors. Today we have MNP who bring us question of the week. And today we have Jason J. Lee. He is partner of Technology Solutions at MNP. And today's question is: when talking about digital transformation, how do you foster a climate of innovation in an organization while at the same time managing costs and risks? Well, if we take AI and ML initiatives as an example, we see lots of science for projects that can end up in a couple of scenarios. On the one hand, these innovation projects will have not aligned to any strategic initiatives and will likely be collecting dust on the shelf somewhere. And on the other hand, some of these projects actually have extremely positive results, but for one reason or another, they will never deploy at scale or be production ready. Neither are good positions to be in. As companies continue to look at ways to leverage their own data and make it more valuable, and whether that's to develop smarter products and services, optimize processes, automate some of their tasks, this practice of innovation is best set up to succeed by being agile and applying common sense, um, building a team of not just data scientists, identifying the most important business use cases to create maximum value, and then having some sort of test to validate. So for example, like if this use case ceases to exist tomorrow, will someone care? Who, right? How much? Otherwise, before you know it, you're in deep spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with no clear understanding of whether that use case makes any sense. So before spending lots of money and resources, I would say identify good candidate projects, understand your business, your strategic initiatives, and your data, be thoughtful, assemble the right team, balance those innovations with common sense, and then obviously approach things with agility. And if you don't, we're here to help you. Alrighty, if you would like more information, you can contact Jason at jasonj.lee at mnp.ca. You can also visit their website at mnp.ca. Next up, we also have Savanaugh Equipment. Are you working on pipelines, oil and gas projects, renewable energy or LNG and need to save some cash? Savanaugh Equipment has industrial pumps, electrical equipment from motors to transformers and even surplus pipe and much, much more available now. You can visit them at SavanaughEquipment.com where you will find more equipment every day. And we also have Precision Bolting. Precision Bolting's products have been a trusted solution for over 35 years, used by hundreds of clients across all industries, including major heavy equipment manufacturers. Equipment like mining trucks to shovels, pumps to conveyors, turbines to heat exchangers are only a few. 
Well known for superior technical support and the ability to focus on customer needs, precision bolting should be the first call for anyone wanting to address difficult bolting solutions. This focus, sorry, this focus on solving problems has led them to develop a range of kitted bolting solutions used around the world. From service, from service tech to shareholder, precision bolting's values of safer, sooner, and stronger become immediately obvious. Give their team a call, connect with them on LinkedIn, or visit them at precisionbolting.com and miningkitsolutions.com. Com. You can also catch, catch Precision Bolting's episode featured, um, uh, sorry, featuring their president, Ken Gamroth, on The Crownsman Show. So you can also check them out there. Um, uh, next up, we have Vega. Um, Vega Instruments Canada is a proud sponsor of Crownsman Energy. They help their customers operate more safely and efficiently with reliable and accurate level and pressure measurement instrumentation. Using radar, pressure, radiometric, and other technologies, Vega Canada has helped countless mining and energy companies improve their processes. Learn more about their solutions at vega.com. You can find instrumentation, download, doc download documentation, or generate 3D drawings and configure a sensor all at vega.com. And last but not least, PowerZone Equipment. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems, no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. There we go. I just realized you uh, you probably speak more than I do on the show. Just just did sponsors. I just, <laughs> I just ask questions. You do the sponsors, and the guest is all the talking. It's a good gig that I've uh, got. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Joy. We can switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hello, Joy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, I'm very excited to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Jared. Thank you for the invitation. Um, we'll we'll jump right into it. Um, usually on the show, I, I do sort of a professional section uh, towards the end. But but in your case, um, looking at, at your career, you've been, I, th I think you've been with Canadian Natural for 20 years, um, for over 20 years, mm -hmm. you're the VP of uh, technology and innovation. Um, and now you you're the president of CRIN. And and I just want to, I just kind of want to start, um, start a little bit at the beginning and, and kind of get a sense of you know, where did, did your career start and sort of, um, you know, what you've, what you've achieved in that, in your career? Is, is that, is that what you envisioned at the beginning? Um, no, I, when I graduated from university, I'm a metallurgical engineer, um, graduated from Technical University of Nova Scotia, which is now uh, part of Dalhousie, um, uh, many, many, many years ago, over 40 years ago. And, um, you know, just very naively was excited to be an engineer and uh, get out there and do what engineers do. And our, my, my husband and I um, met in, in university. Actually, we were married in university. When we graduated, uh, we uh, couldn't afford to travel or do those kinds of things. So we actually took a work term in Europe and worked at Hovens um, uh, in the Netherlands, which is a steel steel pot and um, good, great start for metallurgical engineers. 
And uh, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience and quite an eye opener, um, you know, for a Canadian that had traveled across the country and grew up across the country because my father was in mining construction. Um, but I hadn't left um, Canada. So great eye, eye opener to uh, travel over to Europe for that initial work experience. Um, and then we came back to Canada and uh, went to Labrador and we worked at Wabash Mines in, in, in Labrador. And I love the North. I had grown up in the North as a, as, as a child, uh, many times in, in mining communities as they were growing and actually had lived in, in Wabash and Lab City when they were being developed. Um, so they weren't new, new to me, knew exactly where, what we were getting, getting into and phenomenal place to start your career. Um, because Northern communities, number one, attract, um, in my mind, just the most, um, most wonderful people. And because most people are away from families, you also create bonds, uh, with, um, those that are that are there and, and workforces, et cetera. So just a phenomenal environment with various people who are very generous in helping in helping young people learn. Mm. And because they are remote, the opportunity to learn and learn quickly and and gain accountabilities that potentially you wouldn't gain in other areas, of course, are there as well. So um, you know, just a great place to um, start your career. Um, from there, we, you know, and I was working in the plant as a as a process engineer. So really great hands on hands on experience. Um, uh, we started our family actually, and uh, worked and went back to to work there. But before our second child was born, I actually resigned to stay home uh, with our children. And in that period of time. We moved from Labrador to the Elk Valley, uh, to the coal mining area in southeastern, southeastern BC for metallurgical coal. And um, I stayed home. We had uh, another child and another child. <laughs> and I stayed home for seven years full time with my very uh, busy young family. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that time, you know, uh, you often have people say, well, you know, how did you grow your career in that period of time? One, I learned to deal with a lot <laughs> and uh, to be able to balance that home life with three little ones under five and was very active in the volunteer community. And so in all the various associations, sports associations, and there's great leadership opportunities in in those associations and working inside of your communities and being a part of what drives, what's important to drive what's successful for small communities to be those communities and to have things available for children and others. So those are are not skills that should be, um, they're not discounted in how they serve you in your career mm-hmm. um, overall by any any stretch of the imagination. And I'm a bit of a continuous learner. So in that, uh, uh, probably a serial continuous learner. Uh, so in that period of time, um, you know, was continually adding things to the skill set um, that would be hugely advantageous when I went back in, in, into, the, into the workforce. And um, so I did when I went back in, I, 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 uh, somebody that I had worked with in, in Labrador actually came to the Elk Valley and 
had the opportunity to go back to work part-time, which was still important to me because that balance between being able to participate in my children's classrooms um, and just the excitement of being able to get back to work was really just a phenomenal blend for me for a number of years again as as the kids were small. I could actually see from my office, which was on the side of a beautiful mountain looking down to the school. I could see when the school buses would leave and I could actually catch, wow. get home before the kids got home. So it was pretty, pretty cool from that point of view. So just that whole balance thing was was wonderful uh, for for me and, and still able to grow grow my career technically. Um, we came from the Elk Valley to Calgary and uh, got involved. I worked for Kilburn, got involved with uh, Millennium at Suncor um, in the development of the Millennium plant and led the process design for that. And from there, jumped over to Canadian Natural for the development of the Horizon project. And so was a part of the design, stewarded uh, through the, the build, had the privilege of leading uh, bitumen production and commissioning. And, um, you know, once we got those things up and running, um, in, in the mineral processing side of things or the front end design, things are continuously changing and you're always innovating. You never build the same thing twice and you're always trying to do something better. And so had the opportunity to take that innovation component from bitumen production to be accountable for bitumen production for um, oil sands overall. And um, that was a really critical time when, um, not that we weren't innovating before, but the pace of innovation, mm -hmm. excuse me, had to pick up. And so it was really important for us as a company to um, make sure, sorry. Oh, no. I, I, I'm drinking water continuously during the interview, so no, it's good. It's, it's just so dry in Alberta. It's wonderful. Um, so, you know, it's really important to pick up that pace of innovation and to have the focus to make sure that we were moving things as quickly as we could. And then, of course, that involved from doing that for, um, or evolved from doing that for Horizon to over time for doing that for Canadian Natural overall, which is the position that I that I hold now. And so it's been just an amazing ride. And when I graduated from university, if I ever thought that I would be a part of, you know, designing, building, commissioning, bringing on mega projects, and then having the privilege of leading technology and innovation for the largest oil and gas company in the country, not in a million years. I was just happy to go and be an engineer and do good things, which I hope is what I've always done. And I think that that's, if you're happy in it and you love it, um, you work hard. Uh, those are the things that allow a career to, 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 to grow. I, I had a, so I have for a, me, yeah, oh, it's been sorry, privileged. Um, no, no, that's fine. I, I was, when you were talking about, you know, that, that transitioning and then having four kids, seven years off, but then volunteering and do you, in a position that you have now, you know, when we get into um, we get into career and your position with Canadian Natural, um, did that did the are the are there tangible tools that you see that you've developed out of um, you know raising? I mean, not just one kid or two, but four kids. So there's all different ages, and I, I come from a big family, so I know the dynamic of, <laughs> of that sort of environment. Um, and and then and then the volunteer work and then transitioning back 
into you know part-time then eventually into full-time and did you do you have tangible lessons that you sort of take with you from all that balancing and those different transitions and sort of dealing with essentially society at a different level of of being of being a mother a volunteer and then also on on a professional level very much um you know that flexibility um you have to plan 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 and then be prepared to deviate from the plan. <laughs> and so plan for those deviations all the time and be prepared um, to, you know, I was a girl guy growing up and that be, be, be prepared component, right, was uh, to something that was really important to, 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 to learn and, and not to be fussed about that. Um, you know, you deviate, you deal with it um, and then, okay, how could I have done that better? Go back, but it's also I think those of us who are technical, certainly me, um, you know, very black and white. Science is this, it's that. And uh, even when I went to university, electives that I should have done that were in the softer side of things, I stuffed economics in 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 those. Um, later on, did an MBA. Uh, love that side of the world as well. And uh, but just no great, right? Mm-hmm. Just no no great. But the very first thing you discover when you graduate is that the world is gray. And that's exactly what you're dealing with all the time with the privilege of dealing. There are, you know, 10 right ways to do things. Pick one, execute. Um, these, these are the types of things and dealing with a family that things just happen constantly. Now, I actually only had three, but they were three under five. (laughs) And I have eight grandchildren now. So, but that's, that's all right. Um, uh, There were always lots of others around. So the the number was (laughs) like 10 by the number of shoes. (laughs) Yeah. The number of shoes at the door were definitely more than three. Um, But so it, it, it prepares you. And, And I think the other thing that I did is, is that I, I actually did early childhood ed, not because I wanted to be working that, but I had three children under five. And to learn the skills to be able to parent, I took early childhood ed to be, I hoped, you know, a, a good parent. And um, so it, it's just that constant learning, but those are skills, they're, they're people skills. And whether or not it's listening respectfully to your child or listening respectfully to somebody else, that's those really aren't those aren't different um so they're they're life skills that take us to 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 various components i also um was a school trustee in in our community in 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 fernie so in that period of time so having leadership roles in the volunteer places i was often chair of organizations and or obviously as a school trustee you learn governance and you learn um the governance side or the oversight or the big picture of something to make something work. Mm-hmm. And so as you move through your career, if you've had the opportunity to see governance, you understand where you fit in as, as part of the story to make something whole work, which is really important as well. If you can learn in these things to understand, this is my part that I play of this whole larger institution but what is that? And, and can you look at things from various points and how can I grow and contribute to the path of that larger institution by understanding the various levels of, 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 of a company? So the volunteer roles that you have, you can gain tremendous experience that can obviously 
uh, Bozeman volunteer as a doer, volunteer as the governance side of things. But I've always held on to a volunteer component um, in 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 my life. It's I think it's important that we give back. So um, yeah. still still balance the volunteer the work the family as well, um, which is everybody does that right. We yeah. all do it. Yeah, it, it's funny. You, it, you actually, it's it's interesting you brought up that um, understanding your place in that bigger picture as that volunteer. Um, you know, I, I don't need to get into to what it is, but I, I just recently joined a committee and and I'm used to the very uh, small business sort of world is where I come out of. So I'm very used to there's a job to get done. Who's going to do it? OK, let us know when it's done or we'll maybe review it next week or but it's just it's basically just flat out and you just go. And and I very after one meeting, I realized that is not the situation here. There's all these different levels and different voices. And they, you need, very quickly, I, I learned, I'm going to have to learn how to collaborate in a way that I haven't had to do before. And this is a volunteer position. And I'm thinking this might be the hardest job I've ever had. Um, so I, I can appreciate what you're saying, that those volunteers actually, the positions in those, especially in these larger organizations, actually prepare you for the structure that you're going to face later in your career. They do. They very, very, very much do. And, you know, people always thank you for what you give inside of these things. And I go, I'm not sure the balance is, is that I actually got a heck of a lot more out of that than I actually gave. But, exactly. um, you know, it, it, it's very much a two way street. Um, I want to, Joy, I want to transition because you're very much in the heart of the, the, the Canadian energy sector, really. I mean, you're located in, in Alberta, but obviously Canadian Natural is a global company. Um, and and these the innovation that Crin is going to push out is is going to affect it's going to be at a global stage as well. So I kind of wanted to get a sense from you, and I, I've been asking this question to various experts that come on the show, but I'm really interested to know your perspective of where Canada sits um, in the energy sector and on that that sort of global stage from your perspective. So I think one of the things that Canada and its natural resources industry, whether it's energy or mining or other things, you know, we're we are always leaders and we take what we do here and transition, help that transition to other parts of of of, of the globe. Um, we're innovators, we're drivers, we get we 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 get we get things done. And we do that always with that we can improve it. We can always minimize our footprint. We can increase our productivity. We can, um, you know, off you know our safety records. All of these these types of things. So the whole environmental safety productivity um, component is extremely important to us as, as Canadians. We we function in a, a very difficult environment. We're geographically dispersed. We're a small population. Um, we have to work together to uh, help each other survive and grow. So we tend to be um, collaborative in the way in which 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 we work, which is really important. That's another space I played in in all, all of my career. And so through that, we can actually accelerate the pace of, of innovation. So the oil and gas industry in, in Canada, um, actually when a lot of other sectors um, we're not putting as much into innovation. Um, we're actually leaders of that. Not something that's often well understood, mm. but 
sort of, for example, between 2009 and 2015, we increased the monies um, and investment in innovation by 1,400%, according to Steps Canada. And uh, so that's a pretty phenomenal um, feat because, and why do you do that? Because it's so imperative. If we don't innovate, um, how are we going to... Um, how are we going to meet the cost pressures, the productivity, the environmental components that are that are there? It won't happen. But our industries themselves are birthed from innovation. Mm. Um, you know, we come from pretty difficult starting places, and it's innovation that actually launches these. Uh, uh, certainly launches the oil things, launches, you know, the horizontal drilling and oil and gas. That those are Canadian. Um, Canadian inventions, Canadian um, innovation and entrepreneurship. So um, it's in our DNA. It's who we are. Yeah. And I think, I think we, uh, I don't know about on a global stage. I think we underrate ourselves a little bit, which is one of the goals of, of this show um, is, and I quite often talk about being a, a Vancouver show that is a lot of our guests are coming from Alberta and a huge amount of our audience is from Ottawa and, and back East. Um, so it's, it's that I, I hopefully still, still in the sort of, uh, humble Canadian way, but, but sharing a little bit more, even if it's just with each other of the innovation that we're doing, um, and the, the, and to transition into that, I want to talk about Canadian natural because you, you started, um, I'm going to make sure I got my notes right. You started with the horizon oil sands. That was your first introduction mm-hmm. to basically to Canadian natural. And even that over, over the last over the years, I mean, they've in in uh, in reduction and things like that. They've really excelled. Can you can you sort of touch on that as sort of what you've seen um, over over the years with specifically with the horizon? So you know, I had the privilege, of course, being uh, with it from literally the very beginning. I was the second employee with Canadian Natural for the Horizon project, and um, what a lot of people don't realize. Uh, you know, Horizon is, we as a company actually have four carbon capture and something facilities. At Horizon, we have a carbon capture uh, for our hydrogen plant and the um, C, uh, CO2 is actually used in the tailings process. Um, we developed that process, the design for that in about 2003. And um, so that kind of vision for footprint reduction for capturing co2 um, and why did we do that because co2 when it's added um, it was actually the the we needed to um, address the ph in in our water and co2 was a, a waste product that we could capture and actually use there cheaper than any other um, reagent that would do that for us Mm. and so that whole philosophy around design of of um of capturing waste and using them from something else so we're you know waste to valuable product is a is is a very important component now what that has done multiplied many times over over many things is our operating costs for example were in the range of 34 dollars um, Canadian uh, a barrel now are 20 and, and or less 
Um, in that same time, our greenhouse gas footprint went from a 38% reduction from when we started to now. So it's, it's, it's always looking at how can you do things better? Um, obviously, there's the impression that these things are externally imposed, and certainly the environment that you're in um, can help accelerate those, those those kinds of things. But just doing business well, and I think that that's what often isn't understood in that reputation of Canadian industry, mm. is is that link between footprint reduction and cost reduction are are, are direct. They 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 go in 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 parallel, um, and so it's really important to realize that. And I think that's a leadership role that Canada often that Canada often takes. Canadian National certainly takes, and many of those things are they're not isolated to Canadian Natural because we actually work collaboratively inside of the um, Canada's Oil Sands Innovation Alliance, for example, and and many other collaborative groups. So CRIN isn't the first isn't the first. There are actually many collaborative groups, PTAC on the conventional side of things, Petroleum Technology, Petroleum Technology Alliance of Canada. Same thing, you know, this this um, very rich collaborative community and history of that. So as we innovate inside of our companies, um, that innovation is often shared and adopted by others, which as the sector then reduces our footprint as a sector, makes us more competitive as a sector in Canada versus other other countries as, as a whole. But that progression is is really important. So Horizon is one version of that. The exact same thing happens at Aldian. The exact same thing happens in our thermal groups. The exact same thing happens in our offshore. The exact same thing happens in our in our conventional area. So it's very much the DNA. Of, of the company to um, to always look, how can you be better tomorrow than you are today? But with that um, absolute vision of uh, you know reducing costs, reducing footprint, ensuring that people are safe, um, it's very much an integrated package. You you've you've mentioned a couple times already um, about sharing um, and that. And I think that is probably a good time to then then look towards CRIN and what the work that organization is doing. And um, can you can you first just give the scope of sort of what CRIN is and the um, sort of the mandate that it was started with? And, and then we'll sort of expand into some of these programs. I know there's that there's a, a huge amount of funding coming federally. I believe it's one hundred million dollars. Um, so I want to sort of unpack, but I want to sort of step back to the beginning so that the audience has a good understanding of what CRIN is. So we're very blessed as an industry, as an oil and, oil and gas industry across in, in Canada, even though sometimes it's not very positively spoke, spoken of. Hopefully that's changing. Um, people understand the contribution, you know, first of all, our 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 drive to do things right and the contribution that we make in the their understanding better what we really do do. Um, the engagement in the innovation space across Canada for the oil and gas industry is phenomenal. There's not a province across the country that doesn't have um, provincial, federal institutions, um, private institutions, um, you know, from universities to research groups to entrepreneurs 
that aren't invested in um, innovation and R&D to help us improve our productivity, our, our footprint, our, our safety, regardless that we have this very fulsome um, innovation ecosystem across the country. Well, of course, we're very geographically dispersed. And when you're geographically dispersed like that, it's very hard to have all of that coordinated and understand what the others are, are doing. And so one of the things that's so important now is to be able to, it's great that we've done stuff in the past, but as we go forward, the pace at which we have developed has to accelerate, has to be faster, has to, um, if it took us 10 years to do something from design to commercialization before, we need to try and do that in five. If it took us three, we need to do that in six months. Like it's that whole acceleration component of delivering um, better environmental performance, better um, lower costs. And by the way, not that those performance are bad because we actually rank second in the world from environmental and second in, in the world from a social governance point of view for all oil and gas producers across the world. Amazing. So we're not laggards in this, but we want to do better. So what was really important, we thought as industry, and so that's not that's not just Canadian natural, it's it's you know, it's it's Suncor, it's Imperial, Sonovas, it's 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 the it's the industry players coming together, both both conventional oil sands, the whole gamut offshore, is what can we do? How can we create a pool? And how can we focus all of these groups across the country in the entire ecosystem to, number one, understand what our gaps are, and number two, um, really accelerate things? And so that was the premise of the birth of, of, of CREN. And so who do you actually pull together to do that? And about the same time that we were birthing CRIN, we actually became familiar with a group called Rainforest. And Rainforest, I mean, you always hear the is, um, you know, how do you recreate Silicon Valley? How do you uh, make sure that you have that level of, of innovation come out, but also adoption, you know, commercialization and adoption? And Rainforest, there were some, um, you know, really visionary leaders that brought Rainforest to Alberta and invited us as the Crane leadership team at the time to um, understand what it was that they were doing. And in, in that, it really was, it's about the development of an ecosystem so that it naturally feeds and can, it pulls the right it has inside of the ecosystem the right players that support that ability for something to come from an idea through to commercialization, but then also into widespread adoption and pulling together players that we wouldn't necessarily have pulled together before. And this was really important when it came to actually who sits at the who sits at the CREN table. And we actually pulled together. 20 different sectors around around the uh, around the CRIN table, and I just want to make sure here that you know of the 
oh. and I'm not going to list all 20, but is in that bunch is, is so it's not just R&D like the universities. It's not just us as industry. It's not just government that sits at the table. So we actually have the regulators are there. We have students that are there so that you have the next generation. We make sure that it's both the funders and the developers are there. So inside of governments, there's actually um, the, uh, the like I said, for example, and NRCAN sit at, at the current table. But we also have municipal governments, provincial governments, and federal governments. We have the investment community is there, which is really, really, really in, in, important to sit around sit around the, the, the table with us. We have First Nations that sit with us. Um, it's extremely important that all of the sectors that actually touch innovation from its idea to commercialization to widespread adoption. So we also have the end users at the table. So we're very fortunate to have a group called Quest out of Toronto that sits out of our table that actually advises a nonprofit group that helps advise communities develop their net zero communities. And so it really is who needs to be there to make sure everything at every stage um, is supported at maximum speed so that you actually have not just commercialization, but widespread adoption. So what's the goal of this? Canada is the global leader in clean hydrocarbons from source to end use. So what many people don't realize is that the technologies that we develop to reduce our footprint from a greenhouse gas point of view, we're actually technologies, they deal with, with basically using natural gas. If they reduce our footprint in the use of natural gas, they also reduce the footprint in the, in the use for natural gas for cement plants, for steel plants, for your home, my home. These technologies are transferable. So as industry, even though we're, we are developing to re reduce our footprint, they also reduce the footprint of the end users. So very much a gift that keeps giving. But those entrepreneurs that we help launch, obviously are launched in many different, can then transfer to many other sectors. So very often, um, groups will launch with us. They jump to ag, they jump to cement, they jump to mining, they jump to forestry, they jump to buildings um, in downtown Calgary or other areas. These, these, that that those transition points are there. But remember, I shared with you before that the oil and gas industry was the industry in Canada that was putting that money in innovation, and we have the machine. We we are able. We we have the 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 pathways the the discipline the the structures already to pilot quickly and to commercialize and so those those steps are really important and but this whole crin component is about us being very clear about what our needs are in seven different theme areas and being able to attract those entrepreneurs to come with us to pilot to commercialize to make that commercialization um, understood. So, for example, the Trade Commission is a part of CRIN, and to date already, inside of the theme areas, they have taken a number of entrepreneurs, and they have marketed those entrepreneurs globally already, as you know, in in CRIN's history. So, it's not just about 
reducing our footprint inside of our industry, but it's growing Canadian entrepreneurs across the country in a virtual network to, again, remember I talked about uh, why does Silicon Valley work? Well, you have this density geographically in one spot. In Canada, we don't have that anywhere. So we have to create a network of networks and create that virtual density, which is what CRIN is about. So CRIN meetings, even though I sit here in Calgary, it's irrelevant. It's this virtual connection is how CRIN lives. So when, you know, current times, we're all living virtually, it was nothing for CRIN because that was how we existed anyways. And CRIN meetings, CRIN organizations, CRIN events are literally coast to coast to coast and everybody everywhere in between. We also don't limit participation to Canada with a virtual component that isn't necessary, but our primary focus is Canadian entrepreneurs. Others are welcome and others are also welcome to learn, learn our, learn our benefit. So it's, it's a very different model, um, which is why you have somebody like myself who's president of CREN. It is a volunteer role, but it's an industry poll. We've been very fortunate through the funding that we receive from the federal government that it helps us staff. Um, so I've got somebody to help as well as the other volunteers, but we literally have an entire volunteer structure with CRIN supported by um, a very CRIN Inc. Um, small contract staff, staff members. But the focus is the person to person connections to drive that people understand what our, our gaps are to drive solutions to come to us, to drive those pilots to take place, and then to push those technologies out wherever they may go. It is, it, it, it's sort of an amazing thing that's been put together. And I wanna take it, I wanna go from two different sides on it, which you, you already touched on, but I just wanna, I, I just wanna, wanna unpack them a bit. Um, when, when, you, when you and I were sort of talking to get ready for the interview, you, you mentioned something, and I think we're going to adopt it here at, uh, at Crownsman, called the too hard pile, um, which is really <laughs> something that CRIN um, can help solve. So I want you to talk about that because it's such a simple, um, it's such a simple <laughs> phrase, but um, anybody who's in technology or trying to grow a business or is dealing with a team, as soon as you say the two hard pile, they go, uh-huh. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about that. And then, and then if we could, once we touch on that, then swing back around to someone with an innovative product and how that they get into the network. And so that we sort of see it from, from those two sure. different angles. Absolutely. So one of the first things that we did when we were pulling CREN together is we actually reached out to the Canadian ecosystem and we gathered about 140 of the um, oil and gas, either their their pathways or their plan, or you know what is your what is your your oil and gas plan for the next 10, 20, 30, 30 years? What does that look? What research are are, are you doing? And then as as companies, we overlaid hours on those, and we looked at what was getting done and what wasn't getting done. And of course, if our goal is Canada is a global leader in clean hydrocarbons from source to end use. Um, you know, what is it that we would have to work on? So the two hard pile. Mm. And so for us, that, that, the, that two hard pile, um, we ended up with seven different theme areas, which were, which are uh, water technology, digital oil and gas, 
uh, novel land and well site remediation, methane monitoring, quantification and abatement, um, low emissions value added products, novel hydrocarbon extraction and, and cleaner fuel. So it's a bit of a long list, uh, but those are those are the areas. Um, you know, you'll notice tailings isn't in there. Tailings was is being very well taken care of and 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 driven under COSIA. So all of these other organizations that are out there in that very diverse group, they're all part of CRIM. They're part of the networks of networks. So we build on on what's going out there. For example, right. um, in the cleaner fuels, it's actually the CRIN arm of clean fuels is the Canadian Fuels Association. So we didn't go out and recreate, but we knew we needed to bring them to the table in a formal way and support them in being more transparent what our, our, our issues are and how you work, work through. Same thing with methane monitoring, uh, quantification and abatement. That we actually work through PTAC and they are, are really good in the methane, methane space. And in other words, so they are the CRIN arm for, for, for methane. Water technology um, is led by Suncor and on, you know, they've developed a water technology development center on behalf of the, of the oil science industry, but it also welcomes oil and gas innovation for oil and gas overall. That stretch of that, that facility was facilitated through CRIN to to have it have a broader group digital oil and gas there were copious groups of that we've managed you know a number of them still exist but they can come together under the crin umbrella again to focus to drive to meet what our our, our needs are same thing on on land and well site remediation that's led by our, our um, friends at uh, at uh, Inatech, uh alberta and um, low emissions value added products uh, have been led by um, out of uh, Alberta Innovates, actually. Novel hydrocarbons have been led by um, out, outside of, out of, out of COSIA. So we really, again, in, 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 we didn't, we don't, our goal is not to recreate anything inside of CRIN, but it is to bring it together. It is to focus it and it is to drive results in a very much in a very sh shorter time. So we actually don't, um, it's funny, we pull things together and we create connections, but CRIN itself doesn't execute the R&D. Others do, but nice. we enable those connections to take place. And then once things are successful, we also have the ability to amplify those successes real quick, which for an entrepreneur who's developing, you must see many times. It's huge. You know, if you can accelerate that time, they often die. They all have good products, but they die. They can't get it that, that so, middle, that sort of last, those last three feet before the actual journey starts. They can't get it just that last little bit, production, those types of things, right? Correct. So CRIN is absolutely designed to support them literally through that entire cradle and financing the financial support that's theirs. Yes, you know, we're very fortunate to have the the hundred million come to us from the federal government. So we in fact are a funder ourselves. But we also are tied into the angel, you know, um, 
uh, VCs, uh, pension funds, big banks, those also are a part of the CRIN network. And they're really important because government funding is one aspect to an entrepreneur or to um, oil and gas, gas companies from an R&D execution point of view, but so is the right type of financing. So it isn't always government funding is not the right necessarily the right. It's a component of financing for an entrepreneur, but it's not the total total picture. And so what's really important to all of these groups is they want to know, of course, every entrepreneur is they're the best thing since sliced bread and they're going to be the solver of the two heart piles. When we as industry actually take them, and pilot with them, we do risk their story to that funding community. Mm-hmm. Or if that funding community knows that they fall into that potential provider of our two hard pile, that de-risks them as well. So to the funders and many other groups that are out there, the fact that they see that connection between us as that user, that implementer, and then obviously these technologies can jump to other sectors, we're helping make those choices. So, you know, you were saying, how does a, a, an entrepreneur actually come into CRIN? Well, they just need to join. There's no charge. Um, CRIN, there is a social contract. So remember what I shared about the rainforest earlier. What's really important in building a network is how people show up mm-hmm. and that they show up with the intent to work with others. Um, all of this collaborative stuff that we've been talking about before and for the greater good, you know, are you bought into that? You want to be a part of, of, you know, helping that Canada is the global leader in clean hydrocarbons from source and use. So when you join CRIN, there's a social contract at the beginning to which you sign your name and say, I commit to behave in this way inside of this network. And once you do that, then uh, we actually have a directory where, you know, over 2,000 members now now in CRIN. And an entrepreneur comes in, they can find me. My name, my telephone number, uh, my job, all of those things are listed. They can find the financial institutions. They can find somebody else. It's linked by categories. They can find somebody else who is doing what they're doing. So I'm bringing my technology and there's just this one thing I can't quite get get right. I can reach out to somebody else in that network who says, I'm here to help you. I'm going to work with you. That's why I'm in this network. They can literally find these people inside of that network and make that, make those connections happen. And plus they, we, we guide them to jump into the networks for each of those theme areas. And so they come and they're a methane technology. They can jump into that network, meet the others who do what they do. They can share what their product is. Inside of that methane network is the people from my team who it's their job to understand those technologies, to bring them, to commercialize them. They can find those individuals. So what are those components that are, are, are there for them to launch? All of that is inside of the CRIN network. These digital groups are the theme areas. They hold events. They help people understand how to find different funding, et cetera. They share different technologies. They share, of course, our our challenges inside of these so that people understand them more clearly. And they share the successes that hopefully then that can can go out for for adoption. So um, 
hopefully those and what ends up happening of course is is that that entrepreneur is then attached to potentially a Canadian natural and we execute a pilot and you know the rest is history what for you joy when you're looking at this this i mean you're coming out of um you know we we do a whole mining shows so you come out of that mining uh you come out of that mining background um you've already walked through a bit of your career then with canadian natural now with crin what do you you know as you start to be able to i mean you're still very much looking forward um with with everything that you're doing but as you start to to look look back as well what do you see um i'm trying to figure out how to ask this question right um is is what do you sort of see? Uh, I don't know if legacy is the right word, but it's obviously, I mean, and I've talked to you several times leading up to this in- interview. I mean, you're, you're not just going through the motions. You're, you're passionate about this. And sort of what, what is your, even on a personal or professional level, however you want to answer it, um, to sort of what you see that Quinn develops into and, and sort of what, I mean, and you've outlined what it is. But just sort of that that legacy that you would like to leave with with Crin um, as it continues on. Well, you know, I I think I, none of these things, none of us do these things by ourselves. So, you know, I have the great pleasure of being a part of forming Crin with a number of other other people who share 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 the vision and and really it's. The, the legacy that you would want is that you actually don't need a crim. Mm. <laughs> and um, is because those connections of reaching across the silos of people working together, um, looking at energy as part of the system, you know, oil and gas as a part of the energy system for, for, for Canada, that those barriers are, 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 are removed. Mm. Hopefully we've, we've created um, those pathways, a new way of working together for people that they don't even think about it. Um, it's just natural for them and to, to, to jump, um, you know, if I'm designing a uh, net zero uh, community, I'm going to look at what is the, what are the inputs in that net zero community from an energy point of view, given where I'm geographically located inside of this country, um, what are the energy inputs that I can you know, have reliable, uh, affordable, sustainable energy for that community. And we just pull all the sources of energy that we have as a country and get that right combination for that system, for, for that, that community. And then behind all of that, and of course, that model is, uh, you know, if you go across our country, we're, we're so diverse and so energy rich. Um, of all forms of energy. And then you can take that model and it's used globally. Um, you know, by default, your, 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 your footprint is the lowest it can be, but you have enabled, like even inside of Canada, we have energy poverty. Um, and that energy poverty is by, 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 by de- default removed. But the other, you know, aspect of that is, is we waste nothing, is we take advantage of all of the resources that Canada has and used in that sustainable, responsible way. And 
which is so important. So that legacy isn't and maybe, you know, for those of us who have gray hair or no hair or sort of in my generation, it's, it's that legacy for those that come behind. When you asked me initially, you know, when I started my career and would I ever envision, it's because we have such a, and I grew up in the resource industry myself, that's been historically, um, you know, what my family's been in, been involved with and my, my family, you know, those that came to Canada of, of my of my heritage and those that have been here forever um, is, is is you know 400 years ago 200 years ago has very much been involved in the resource industry it's really important that we understand the value of the resource industry to canada as we go forward and crin is a part of that crin is a part of making sure that the oil and gas industry is seen as that sustainable source of reliable affordable energy that can be done in a responsible way with um, minimal minimal footprint, whether that's greenhouse gas or water or land, but that applies to all sources of energy. All sources of energy need to be produced with a minimal footprint. So it's it's important that we see that. And so if there's any legacy there, it's not just my vision, it's that of the teams, those that have the passion, those that sit at our steering committee table, it's that Canada is providing for the future generations that come that full breadth of opportunity that's here for us and not to leave um, any of those opportunities for our future generations behind. Um, very important. Uh, that's a great answer. And I, I, I have another, another question because I know that people um, like, like myself that are sort of, um, you know, still getting involved with more organizations or starting their own organizations and and you're in a you know in, in a company there's obviously performance metrics um when you're part of a volunteer organization it's just something that came to mind and i'm thinking of all the people that you're working with and um i'm just curious how do you get you get that many people together there's all these different personalities these different viewpoints um how do you, and it might go back to your volunteer, I, I don't know, but um, how do you get sort of a, for lack of a better word, a good group of people together when you have so many voices and it's volunteer based, so it's not really a performance metric, like how do you, how do you approach that? Because that in itself is quite an achievement <laughs> to get that many people at the table and then in general, either moving the same directions or or contributing um, the, their where they specialize in? I think you need a shared vision um, is a really important thing. Um, actually, you are probably jumping to after it right after this meeting is to a CRIN steering committee meeting. Mm. And um, I'm so grateful every meeting, nobody has to show up at any of those meetings. No one. Mm. And, you know, there's like all of these sectors that I was talking about, people from these 20 sectors, and they're very, very busy people. And they come to the CRIN meetings to drive this vision um, regularly. And if they can't make it, I, you know, I received a note before, I can't make the meeting, Joy, so-and-so will replace me, and um, you know, I'll catch up with you later. That is the kind of commitment um, uh, that's, that's there. And it's to all of these 
literally people across the country as, as, as a whole. And all of these various levels of government, all the different research institutions, the universities. Um, and it's that shared vision that Canada is a global leader. But to truly be involved in something that can drive accelerated performance and help us, you know, help Canada be that sustainable energy leader and as a part of the whole energy system. So um, there are a lot of people inside of this country that really believe in Canada and that this is our potential and they want to make sure it's realized. And we give them space to do that and the voice to do that and, um, and to do it together because we all know none of us can do it on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it just the reason it came to me is I've I've been a part of a couple um, organizations where it was really, you know, the the door closes at this time when the meeting starts. And but when you're a working professional, you know, and doing a volunteer, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of commitment that it takes. But there's also there's also responsibilities that you have over here. And I was very interested to see how someone like yourself coming from the background that you do organizing people that are working at a high level i mean they're they're not you know they're not in these super flexible positions um and i was interested how you approach them and and sort of keep everybody motivated that someone might not be at a meeting for a couple of them and then they got to loop back in and sort of how you create that collaborative effort and still keep everybody involved it's quite interesting well they all have a job Um, So uh, that's the other thing is, is that every single one of those sector representatives is a representative. And they were explained when they came to the table is you actually have a job. It's not just the meeting. You have a job. Mm -hmm. And the job is, is that in that your sector that you bring, you know, whether it's the regulator or it's the universities or it's the municipal uh, economic development if you, whatever, you know, you, you sit, or it's students, um, it's how do you bring your network to the CREN network so that the connections make across each of those networks? So it's not just that you come as your network, but how do you connect the entrepreneur here with the person in university there? How do you connect the student that wants to study oil and gas with the entrepreneur over there? What are the pathways? So if you actually look at the at the symbolism that we that we that we have for CRIN, it's it's very neural neural networky. Um, it's all over the place, and um, because it is a network of networks. So and so, for example, on the agenda today. Some of the team areas will be presenting their work, but the the those people that sit there are also presenting their sector engagement plan as we as we say it. So even though they're all volunteers, and I can tell you I'm doing my volunteer work at one in the morning uh, because I still have my day job to do, and I can tell from the time that the emails that are coming in from these other people, so are they. But they're committed to the vision. And they know that if they actually connect that entrepreneur or connect that student or connect that researcher, that it is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Because working in silo, they're not getting where they need to go. Right. So it is very important. They know that if they show up 
and actually execute and work with the others at the table, that the result is going to be better. Yeah. Or else they wouldn't come back. They don't need to. It's it, again a very good answer. I I'm going. I know you are a, a busy woman, Joy. So I, I but I, I have one more question for you, and it's it's the sure. um, it's it's one I wanted to ask it at the beginning when you were talking about actually your childhood, and um and I but I didn't want to interrupt sort of the the scope of of your story. So I want to circle back to it and just ask one last question: Is you you mentioned going to going around and growing up in these different mining towns. Um, and you know your father was in the industry. Did that? Were you were you involved in it? Was it? Were you living in a town and there was a mine somewhere off, or did you get a chance to to actually be involved? Um, you know, with the community, get to know the the people that were working the mine, or even get to be on the mine at times. And did that sort of? Did that? If if the answer is yes, did that involvement? Um, did that sort of? Did, did that almost implant a love for the industry? I mean, for to be in the industry, um, you know, for the length of time you have, that's, you know, there's a certain love that you have to have for it and a passion that you you bring to it. Um, it does that come from that? Do you think this being involved and and your, and your father being in the industry and having you around it? Absolutely. Um, you know, I come from the generation where I grew up in is my dad at an minimum worked you know, six days a week. Mm-hmm. And on Saturdays, he would take me to work. And um, I can remember, uh, you know, being with him and, and he was, he was construction management, and I would be out on dozers or, you know, big trucks moving, whatever. And, um, you know, the, the, if any of you drive through, um, through Sparwood and highway number three in, in, on the Crowsmith Highway, um, is uh, there's a big truck. And when that truck was actually commissioned, I was a kid and I was one of the first people to, to, to ride in that truck with my dad. Okay. And um, so, you know, it's the largest truck in the world, right? And um, so very much uh, it was something, if you asked me when I was six years old, I would have told you that I was going to grow up to be an engineer and a lawyer. I'm absolutely the engineer and believe me with all the IP that I deal with, I claim honorary lawyer as well. <laughs> so, well, but uh, so, so yeah, we're, we are very obviously all of us influenced by, by our past. And I'm grateful for the rich Canadian history that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it, it is amazing. And it's, I, I, I think it's a good, uh, it's a good note on, um, one to end on but also just you know for people that are bringing up kids um to to get them involved and get them seeing um what the industry is all about because there will come a time when it well already i mean there's there's a new generation and a a middle generation and these people are going to come in and and if people come into an industry not just to make money or to get ahead but have a deep passion for for their country for for the community they're working in, for the industry they're in, um, that will accelerate everything, and and that that will be at the core of it. So, Joy, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, I again, I know you're very busy, and it you know we we, we take up some time doing these these long form interviews, so we do appreciate it. Thank you, I, and we hope you come back at some point. Well, I I very much appreciate being here, and I just want to put a plug in for the 
competitions that we have coming up uh, very shortly with Crint. Uh, we've got 80 million uh, that will go out to um, uh, projects uh, digital oil and gas will be five million in that area. To low emissions value added products, will be twenty five million there. And for waterland methane emissions, mobile hydrocarbons, that bucket together is fifty million. And so stay tuned. Please join CREN. Uh, you know, see the the newsletters. Join up for the the, the newsletters. Uh, make sure that you're aware. Um, entrepreneurs, find yourself a uh, producer to link with. And uh, we want to have the best projects that are out there applying for, for, for these funds so that we can ensure that we make that difference. Well, thank you, Joy. And we'll make sure to put, if you have any links, uh, please send those through. We'll make sure to put those links, um, any information that people can go to for the contests and things like that. So great. Thank, thank you. you. Um, okay, everybody, that is, that is the show for today. Um, some interviews are just so fun to do, and that was one of them. Um, Howdy, how did I do today? How do you rate my interviewing skills? <laughs> you know, Joy was just that. Joy has so much to offer. I'm so glad we had her on the show. Yes. Um, and quick shout out to Paul Painter for getting that all set up, um, who's really responsible for <laughs> Crownsman Energy. He really brought it. Um, yeah, I mean, it took us over a year and a half to get the Crownsman show going. He got Crownsman Energy going with about three months. So uh, there you go. Um, Gowdy, where can people follow, find, comment, suggest guests, be on the show, become a sponsor, what have you? <laughs> well, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you'd like to be part of the show, whether it's Crownsman Energy, The Crownsman Show, or Mining Now, you can contact us, info at crownsman.com. You can also check out the website, crownsman.com. We've got all our videos on there. Um, and a lot of uh, other information. So please check that out. Again, uh, follow us, check out the YouTube ch channel because we've got um, about two episodes a week. Um, moving on to like hopefully three. We are moving on to three. It is going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah. And you can listen to us on Anchor and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Gowdy, thank you again to Joy Romero for joining us, and uh, we will keep our eye on Crin. They're doing some amazing things. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Please subscribe. Keep talking. Keep suggesting guests. We, we love doing the show, and we love having you be a part of it. Thank you, and see you on the next episode.